Welcome, Travelers Blueprint community. I am Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the extremely serendipitous Robert Domena. Oh, I feel like we might have used that one. I'm not sure. And I'm not um, going to go back and listen to them to find out. So you're I'm pretty sure we have not used that one. Okay. All right. So serendipitous is occurring or discovered by chance in a happy or beneficial way. Yep. I knew the definition of serendipitous, but thank you. I did not know the full definition. I knew a little bit of it. So I figured I'd just one. read it out. Well, thank you. It's a compliment. All right. All right, guys. So before we get into the podcast today, check out our website. We have compiled some travel gear. We have compiled some of the companies that we have spoke to on the podcast. You can book with them directly. And we're in the process of adding itineraries to our travel, (laughs) to our website for you to travel. They are going to be free of charge. um, And just bear with us. We, We haven't really had too much time to spend on it. We're kind of occupied with the podcast itself, but they're going to st- slowly start getting uploaded right now. It's just Hawaii and it's just a draft. So if you, if you end up downloading it and you see anything wrong with it, shoot us an email. I'll yell at Elliot and we'll get it fixed. Yep. Cause I didn't do it. All right. So the answer to last week's trivia question for Preston was what was the name of the bird Preston researched in Hawaii? And the answer is honey creeper. And if you Google search them, they're pretty cool looking. They have that weird little beak. I don't know. I think they're cool. Bob doesn't know what I'm talking about. Nope. And yeah, maybe they think their beak's normal. Maybe they do. Well, if you got it right and you emailed us, you're going to get a sticker, likely. And if you didn't get a chance, tune into this week's episode and you'll have a chance to enter to win one of our Traveler's Blueprint stickers and a chance to be featured on our Instagram story. Yes. All right. So our guest today has been doing active travel for roughly the last 10 years. And she has always been interested in travel, but found a new way to do it. And she absolutely loves it. The conversation today focused a lot on travel insurance, her travels, and what travel means to her now, different from what it did when she was a kid. So without further introduction, please welcome the host of Active Travel Podcast, Kit Parks. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Kit, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. I'm delighted to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So Bob and I ran into you and we were actually looking through, every once in a while we do a search on top travel podcasts and we saw that you had an article And we really wanted to reach out and talk to you because you have two of your own currently running travel podcasts. One is the Active Travel Podcast, and the other is the uh, Adventure Travel Show Podcast. And you've been doing this for about two and a half years. Each one has different functions, but we're really excited to talk to you about what you've been doing for the last two and a half years and how travel has kind of impacted your life. Sure, sure. Let her rip. So you didn't start traveling until you were older, right? Well, my method of traveling changed. When I was younger, my father actually worked for Pan Am Airlines, which may predate you guys, but that used to be a luxury airline back in the day. So I traveled a lot as a teenager, but to me, travel then was go to the famous cities, do the tours, get back home. And it wasn't until the last decade in my older years that I discovered adventure travel once I decided to learn how to backpack. And I saw, oh, you could do this around the world. It just never crossed my mind. And so it totally opened up my whole world to travel. 
Okay. And I just do it totally different now. Well, that's nice. You're getting a little bit of both. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you like better about the act of travel? I like the fact that you it's a more immersive experience. You you actually get to meet the people. You you are part of their daily life as well when you interact with them versus being like you're looking in a fishbowl at what's going on. So it, I feel like I'm actually part of the environment. I get to see things that I would never be able to see that just photos just don't do it justice. Okay. And you can only do that sometimes if you hike up a big mountain. Yeah, one, I love that that metaphor that looking through a fishbowl, that was pretty, I've never thought of it like that. But for our listeners, can you just explain maybe a little bit what adventure tourism is in a little bit more detail? Because to me, it could sound like, you know, you're, you're jumping out of airplanes and you're doing these extreme things, but it isn't, is that the case or is it's that? It's actually morphed. You're right. That's, I think, how it used to be thought of. But as time's gone on, has gone on, people are now looking at it as a way you're actually moving your body and you're, you're at least as I interpret it now, because anybody can say whatever they want. I'm hiking, biking, paddling to get from one place to another in order to explore a new culture, a new landscape. So I've got to move. I, I am the transportation one way or another. Whereas, yeah, zip lining and bungee jumping, yes, that is, that's, but I think the industry itself is moving more towards my definition than the previous definition. Okay. And we've seen that a few articles have talked about mobility, tourism, essentially the, another name for the act of travel. And when Bob and I were doing our research, I basically fell in love with the idea of it because that's basically what my wife and I do whenever we travel is we look at ways that we can stay active and see the things we want to see and do the things we want to do. And there's, it doesn't have to be hardcore. Like I, I do walking holidays. In fact, I'm training now for one in Portugal where I literally walk from one historic village to the next. I've done, this will be my third one. This is actually the Portuguese El Camino. But the other ones, I'm in England or in Scotland and I'm just going through time through these 600 year old villages and just yeah. in these little country lanes and the trails are marked and it's not hardcore, but, and they even move your luggage for you if you want to. Yeah, you wow. cough up a few bucks. So it makes it really easy for anybody that can move to do an adventure vacation. Yeah. And it's on your so website, you talk about a scale of one to five, one being, you know, just walking or segwing. Yeah. 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 Well, I do. I usually rate my vacations that we, we cover on the uh, Active Travel Adventures podcast. And I would say a walking holiday, if it's not hardcore, it could be, I would still put it at a three because you are walking a distance each day, usually anywhere between eight to 16 miles. But remember, you've got all day to do it. Yeah. So you can walk a couple miles, have a cup of coffee, walk another couple miles, have a snack. So uh, the, the walking itself is the holiday and just being able to absorb everything that you're seeing and the people you're meeting. You're meeting the people that are walking their dogs that live there. It's, it's a yeah. different kind of vacation. That's really cool. I remember seeing the uh, Martin Sheen film, The Way, yes. a few years ago. I think yes. that came out in 2015. And yeah, that was, it was just really interesting. That was the first time I heard of El Camino. And at that time, I really wanted to do it because I loved Spain and Portugal. Um, how long is El Camino? Well, there's actually, I believe, five different routes. And what the, okay. the El Camino is basically pilgrimage routes to where St. John is believed to be buried in Santiago uh, de Compostela in Spain. And so the most popular one goes through the Pyrenees in France. I'm going to be doing the Portuguese way. And I'm starting about halfway through in Porto. So I've got okay. about a two-week hike. Most of them, um, I think the French one takes you like 40 days for the most part. Oh, wow. And you can even bike it. You don't have to walk it. You can bicycle it. So they're, they're, it's not hard. It's long. Yeah. How strenuous is it 
Is it like compared to the Appalachian Trail or any of those hiking trails? I would trails? say the Appalachian Trail, the sections I've done, the AT is much harder. Okay. So it, it's more a matter that it's, it's every day you've got to get up and walk or, or not. Like the one when I'm doing this time, I didn't book anything. So if I like a town, I'm going to stay there a day or two. If I feel like, eh, it's not my cup of tea, I'm going to walk on to the next town. So you have flexibility if you don't pre-book. Mm-hmm. That's difficult for Bob. Okay. I'm a, I'm a planner. Yeah. Well, and, <clears throat> well, and if you want your luggage moved, you got to be a planner too, because yeah. they like at least 48 hours notice of where you're going to be staying. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, so I'm, I'm wondering what the difference is between this adventure tourism mm-hmm. and another term that we keep seeing now, which is slow tourism. Or slow travel. Okay. Slow, slow travel. Slow travel. Yeah. Okay. And that I, they're referring mainly in trying, it used to be people wanted to try to bang out as many places they could see in one vacation. So they do all of France. They do, uh, well, my Morocco trip, which was not my favorite trip that I took last fall. We did the whole country. I had no idea, and I was on a tour, that Morocco is bigger than California. And we did it in two weeks. You can't do it. So Wait, Morocco is bigger than California? It is, according to what I read, like a third bigger. And I was thinking it's small, and it's big. And we spent so much time on that bus that not my favorite vacation. Loved Morocco, just tried to do too much in too short a period of time. Slow travel would have been, I just go to Marrakesh and spend the week there and get to really deep dive into Marrakesh. That's what I should have done. And I think that's really difficult for a lot of people to accept is the slow tourism or sorry, the slow travel, because I know for Bob that he wants to see everything because he has a finite amount of time and he knows that if he goes to morocco and i'm saying he but it's also me if we go to morocco we may not be going back so wanting to be able to see everything would be important to us but that is a current shift in travel trends is that people are taking more time to appreciate a location rather than doing that bus tour because when we went to peru we only did three cities but that was over seven days. And it was it felt cramped time-wise. That is, that is, that is fast. That is yeah. fast. That's just an issue that we have, at least in the United States. I know Canada and Australia, they have a little bit more time off. I, oh, I know Australia does. I'm actually not sure about Canada. But in the United States, we're just so limited. We only really get, I think, on average, two weeks. So for me, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to get more than, more than that. But there are people who only have two weeks, and they just realistically can't do slow tours. Well, I don't know. It's this constant battle between, yeah, you know, let's say, let's just pick a country, Italy, for example. Now, if I'm going to Italy and I only have two weeks, I know I want to see Venice. I want to see Rome. I want to see Florence. I want to go to the Amalfi Coast and I want to do all these things. And by default, I can't be a slow tourist. Now, I guess if you have somebody who wants to travel to Italy and, and enjoy their time there in that way, you just pick one place and you immerse yourself. Ultimately, I guess it depends on the traveler, but it's just, I, I, I don't know. It, it's not, this type of travel is not for the vacationer. It's for the traveler, right? It's for someone who actually is going for different reasons than the person who has that two week vacation. Can I have you think about two things? Sure. And I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just want you to, 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 I'm here to learn. Switch the mindset on two things. Number sure. one, people not only have limited time, they have limited money. When mm-hmm. you try to see everything you were spending a lot more on transportation than you would if you stay put. You also can get better deals on lodging because you're not changing. It's cheaper for the hotel or whatever because they don't have to keep switching over things. So you can save money by traveling slower. And also, when you try to travel fast, I'm going to use my Morocco trip again because it's going to get blasted when I do my podcast episode on that. We spent more than 50% in transit. 
that's not seeing a country. We would, wow. we, went to, we went to Casablanca. Yeah, we saw one mosque. I don't count that as seeing Casablanca. You know, right. we spent an evening and, and a day in Marrakesh. That's not enough. Most of the time we were in the bus or the van and not my kind of vacation. No. I did, I did not see Morocco. If I had to do that trip over again, I would take, there's three things I would do when I was there. And I'd scrap the rest. And if I make it to Morocco again, I'll go check them out. If I don't, I'd rather yeah. actually feel Morocco. Well, then yeah. I guess that's something that people should be able to differentiate. Um, and so that was a good point with, with Casablanca. If you go to Rome, and I'm just using Italy because I'm more familiar with it there, you know, if you go to Rome and you go and you stop and you see the Colosseum and you go to the Forum and, you know, something else, I don't know, and then you leave, you should you should be able to to say that I saw the Colosseum, I saw this, and then I left. And I didn't really get to experience Rome if you didn't spend, spend time there appropriately. Um, so maybe that's the issue. Maybe the issue is people think they're visiting a city and they're not, and they're they're not. They're visiting tourist destinations, landmarks. They're visiting landmarks, and then that's it. They're not, so they don't have a full Roman experience. They have the experience of a tourist. These, yeah, yeah. It depends um, on what you want to get out of your travels yeah. too. If right. you want to tell your friends, "Hey, I went to the Colosseum," that's one thing. If you want to say, "Hey, I sat in the cafe and hung out with some locals all day," that's a completely different experience. So it, it depends what what people want to get out of their trip. Yeah, I agree with that, and. It, it is kind of ironic because travel is literally travel, but not everyone loves the act of traveling, literally going from point A to point B. And the way that active travel changes that mindset is by making you involved in the travel rather than just sitting on a bus, sitting on a plane, sitting on a train, sitting on a boat. And now you're intertwined with moving from point A to point B. Right. And then some pl- sometimes the country, I'll give you New Zealand as an example. I was on the bus because we did cover the South Island extensively for two weeks. And then I did a little bit of the North Island. That country is just, everything is beautiful. You don't mind being on the bus because you're just, your jaw is dropping everywhere you're driving. So that is also part of the experience is being on that van there. And right. that was a common, I was on a tour. So somebody else is arranging everything. They just take me to the trailhead. I hike and they pick me up on the other side. No wasted time. That was a great way to see a country. I like the, that idea of being able to just forget about everything and just do what you set out to do and not have to worry about logistics. Yeah. And, and for adventure travel, particularly a lot of the things that I discuss on my show, it's, imp- it's easier. It's often cheaper because it's very hard. I travel solo now to figure out the logistics. How, how, who's going to get me to the trailhead? Because a lot of times a bus doesn't get there. They're often in the, in the Thule's. I don't want to rent a car. Then how am I going to get back to my car? So all mm-hmm. that. So if I'm doing an adventurous thing where I'm going into the wild, I generally do a guided tour. If I'm doing an adventure where I'm in civilization, I'll do that solo. I'm very comfortable doing that because I know if something, something goes wrong, hop on the public bus and get me to somewhere. Hmm. So, so now that we have a general or I mean a pretty good idea of what adventure tourism is, let's maybe get into some of your actual experiences. So sure. which country would you want to start with? Um, I also start with New Zealand. We just talked about that one. That's that's Let's one of my one of my favorite trips I've ever taken. I I don't know my current country count, but somewhere around thirty, and that is like number one. It's well, really epic. So- it's it's epic, and it's hard when people say, oh, "What's your favorite place?" You say, "Oh, it's hard to say." It's like picking a child. New Zealand. So why is New Zealand your absolute favorite? It has everything. From the people are just warm and welcoming. They're not jaded by tourists. They just they're all outside all the time. And I think that just makes them happy people. I mean, we met so many school teachers taking their kids on a weekend 
out on a mountain biking trip or a backpacking trip. I was like, we just don't do that in America. I've never, no. I mean, even in Girl Scouts, we went to cabin and the, and the leaders were all doing yeah. this watch, right? <laughs> so they're just outdoor happy people. It's a small country. So everybody kind of looks out for each other and they have each other's back. Um, and it's stunning. It is every kind of landscape you can think of. They've got it from rainforests to glaciers to flatlands to um a tall, gorgeous mountain. They have everything. And it's, so it's kind of like Australia's landscape squished into a teeny little island or two. And huh. so it really makes it a much easier way to see that region than say Australia, which I love Australia, but it's just a huge country. It Hard is. to see Australia. Yeah. Something that I'd be really interested in doing would be a, sort of a slow tourism or an adventure type tourism and actually immerse myself in New Zealand, or in a city, maybe in Auckland, and really get a feel for what it's like to live on such a tiny little island nation. That kind of blows my mind. These people that grow up and live on these islands have, and have just such a completely different life. I mean, growing up in the United States, it's, it's such a large and culturally diverse country. And so you can, I can't really imagine or get wrap my mind around what it would be like to grow up there. Yeah. That, yeah. that would be a neat experience. I mean, yeah. to give, to give some perspective, uh, New Zealand is basically half the size of the East Coast. Yeah. So it's yeah, not it, that it takes small. A couple, yeah, it takes a couple days to go just South Island, North to South. And then you got the North Island. And I only did five days in the North Island. And we still covered a little section of there. So it's it's not something like uh, going to Oahu. We can drive around the whole thing in a day. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, isn't a, a large portion of the country uninhabitable due to the mountain ranges? Is that yes, fair? I would say that's probably very true. Most of the, most of the towns yeah. are along the coastline, right? Mm -hmm. And, and there's very, not a lot of roads, you know. Right, right, and the population seems to be very, you know, condensed. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's concentrated yeah. in certain areas for sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would compare it a little bit to in that regard to Alaska, because Alaska yeah. doesn't have a lot of roads leading from city to city, and they're disjointed, and they've got right. islands and mountains, just yeah. colder. Right. Yep. Now, does the, the culture there differ from Australia or are they essentially the same? I would say they think they're, yeah, they would say they're different. Um, and historically, because you have the Maori, the culture that the, uh, they're not native, but they came by, I think they came. Were um, they Polynesian? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, Poly yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, they migrated down. Yeah, so there's, there's like seven tribes or something, the Maori people. So that's different, whereas you have the Aboriginal people in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the New Zealanders really embrace the Maori culture now. They may not have always, but they do now, um, and they're they're celebrated. Okay. So that okay. there's a there's a difference there. Um, Those people are the, eventually the ones who migrated to Hawaii. It's I mean, that may very well be the case. Yeah, that may yeah, be the case. I don't know what history uh, on that, okay. but that that's would how make the migration sense. pattern happened. It yeah. went down the coast, down into the Southeast Asian mm -hmm. islands, and eventually they became like this sea-bearing people, migrating and populating all of these Polynesian islands, and eventually they made their way towards Hawaii and that's sort of, so they're all descendants of one another. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, yeah. but I enjoyed that learning about the Maori culture when I was on the North Island that Rotorua is their, like their uh, cultural capital. And so there's just a lot of the people there are from the Maori. There are native of the Maori people and you just see evidence of it everywhere. Plus it's really cool because that's where all the geothermal springs are just spouting out of oh, the ground. Yeah. So you'll see somebody's fence and there's just a steam sticking out through their fence. You know, it's not going to make it five years because it's just eating up everything, but it was just <laughs> a really cool town. It's like the apocalypse now, had hit it. And now are you a fan of Lord of the Rings? 
Um, I know of Lord of the Rings, but I'm afraid I am. Uh, uh, no, I okay. don't, uh, didn't watch it. <laughs> one of the, one of the people I work with, he recently went to New Zealand last summer and he loved it, but he is also a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And he went to see, uh, the Shire where they filmed it and all the little Hobbit huts. And that was just one of the reasons that he absolutely loved New Zealand, but he spent, I think three weeks there just hiking and exploring the island. Yeah. I would say if you go just because it takes so long to get there, you want to try to at least stay three weeks. I was there four, and that certainly I was able to see a good chunk of it, but you, you could always stay more, but anytime you go to Australia or New Zealand, try for at least the three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the issue. <laughs> yes, getting that always, time. always. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, lose a full day and just in the plane, just getting there. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and another country that's similar in, in travel time would be China. And I know you spent, you also did adventure tourism there. Um, I went, the, the only adventurous thing I did there was climb the Great Wall. Um, but that was more of a cultural trip. And that was, I thought I was just going to find it interesting, but I actually love China. I like the Chinese people too. It was, it, I went Where, there right before the Olympics in 2000 and the, so it must've been 2007 winter. Okay. And it was really cool. And they had also, because the Olympics were coming, had gotten rid of a lot of the smog for the tour. So that was nice. Mm. Right now they got a big smog issue. So were you in Beijing? I was in Beijing for the most part, yeah. Okay. So Elliot and I have been deciding on where our next adventure tourism, uh, adventure travel destination yeah. would be. Yes. And China and New Zealand were both up on the list. And now uh, Buenos Aires or Argentina is another one. And now now we're throwing around like Bolivia and Peru. But we... We aren't really sure what we're going to do yet. But we'll hone I, in on something. Do you want a couple of two yeah. cents worth on some Absolutely. Of that? Yeah, okay. yeah. Right now you've got, well, of course, you've got the coronavirus going on in China, which oh, may yeah. not be China's active out. while you're there. But, yeah. but pollution, the air pollution is a big thing, and it it's significant there. And that's why people are always wearing masks. It's not so much for germs. It's, it, it can't breathe. The, the air pollution is terrible. Um, I think they're working on it, but it might be a while. Um, Argentina right now is on sale because of – the, the Argentino peso is just like going to nothing. So it'd be really, really cheap for you to that? go to. Um, because their currency keeps getting devalued. So that's it. Hmm. In fact, I just did a show on how to save money on travel. One thing is to pick a country that right now the dollar is strong. The Argentinian peso is, is weak. That makes your dollars really go far there. Yeah, that is an interesting way to pick. Yeah. It's yeah, like buying in Australia right now, Australia is much cheaper for us now. When I went, it was, oh God, it just hurt. You just had to just say, okay, I'm not going to worry about money. Just hand over your credit card and not look at it because everything was so expensive to us because the Australian dollar was much stronger than the US dollar then. Mm. So right now the US dollar is strong. That's when you travel internationally because you get more for your money. Yeah. When I visited London, the pound was higher than the, the dollar. Yeah, which, it usually is. Just, right now it's it's pretty cheap compared to a lot of times I've been to mm-hmm. Europe. So right now I feel like, oh, Europe feels like it's, you know, on right. tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compared to sometimes I've been there where it just, it just kills you sometimes. To oh pay. my God. My I wife- was in Spain for the devaluation and all of a sudden my money doubled in value overnight. I was like, yeah. ooh, I get this now. This is cool. Yeah. My wife was in Denmark two winters ago. She went there with a friend and like a cappuccino was seven US dollars. And I was like, whoa. Yes. Because yeah. it was like one and a half, one and a half kroner to one US dollar. It was unreal. When yeah. I was in Germany, this would have been sometime like 2008 ish. I'm going to guess. I don't, I don't know the exact. A bottle of water was five bucks. I'm like, Ooh. and you got to drink a lot of water. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, beer was cheaper. So we drink more. So I drink beer for lunch, which I never do that. But <laughs> like, the beer was three dollars. The water's five. You pick. <laughs> Just, yeah, right. That's funny. Well, what other tips would you have for for someone traveling? In what regard? On on savings or where to go or? Let's let's stick with the savings. In savings, okay. Um, if like I said, a, a big one that people don't really think about is taking advantage of whenever whatever currency your country is. I'm assuming U.S. dollar for most of your listeners right now. The dollar's strong. This is a great time to travel internationally. If our dollar gets weak, that's when you want to do your your local travel. That's go see the national parks in the U.S. because your dollar's going to be the same. So that way you're getting the most bang for your buck when you do travel. Um, let's see. I need more specific questions. That's too general. Well, I on your website, you have an affiliate with uh, travel insurance company, World Nomads. Mm-hmm. And we've started to discuss travel insurance on our show a little bit. And it's something that I have never really looked into for any of my trips. Um, I had a medical mishap last summer that pretty much canceled my Iceland trip. And I wasn't allowed to fly for a month. But thankfully, I was able to contact all of the companies and got all of my money back. And my non-refundable airline ticket was refunded because it was a medical emergency. But can you talk about why travel insurance would be beneficial and where it is most impactful and what it covers? Sure. And there's, there's two things I would say. One, on World Nomads, they cover a lot of adventuresome things that are like the zip lining and things. Most of that's covered with World Nomads, a traditional insurance policy travel insurance policy does not. So whatever policy you get, make sure it covers whatever activities you're doing because nobody wants to pay an insurance policy. So they're going to look for things. Ah, you didn't follow all the rules, right? So you've mm-hmm. got to follow the rules of whatever policy that you take. The reason I buy it, I have an elderly mother. If I'm traveling to Timbuktu and mom gets really sick or God forbid she dies, my insurance would kick in. They'll fly me back. Okay. If I go to a lot of third world countries where the medical is awful, if, if non-existent. I mean, when I was in Bhutan, if something happened to me, oh, I'll give you a better one. I was in Tanzania. My girlfriend on the way to the buffet before a Tanzania uh, safari does a full frontal face plant, rips her face open. We, the water is so unsanitary. We had to use bottled water to try to pour it over to clean out the grit. We've got third world muddy, gross grit in her face. Uh. They're like, ooh, we need to fly you to Kenya. And she, so she couldn't go on the safari just totally obliterate everything. Her travel insurance covered everything. She wow. had to stay in the lodge for a week. So that's when it's these unexpected things, particularly if she needed to be air evac'd, they would get the plane and they would get her out there. That's what it covers. So wow. it's for all these things you don't think is going to happen. Yeah, it'll cover baggage loss and all that. But most of the times we could absorb that. So it's, that's a nice freebie that's thrown in. But it's when the things really foul up in your life, like somebody you love that's an immediate family member, if something happens to them, you can come home and they'll pay for that outrageous ticket that last minute. Yeah. Would it ever be worth it to get travel insurance if you're traveling within the country you're from? Like for United States people to travel locally? It, 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 it depends. And, and travel insurance, does you don't make a profit on it. You What will happen is if you have out-of-pocket pre-booked things that are non-refundable, that's what it covers if something yanks you out of your trip. So like I'm, on this Portugal trip I'm going on, I don't have anything pre-booked so that I don't really have a whole lot to lose if I have to come back. But I did buy it because, A, of the coronavirus. If all of a sudden something get, I get sick and I can't leave for a while, I'm stuck in their hospital, mm. it pays my medical because that was something that happened on the trip. So I bought it just for that, even though I haven't even bought a return ticket. So there's nothing I'm going to get from 
oh, I lost out because I haven't booked anything outside of getting there. I'm getting there and then I'm on my own. But okay. I want the coverage of medical because right now there is a possible pandemic going on. And I don't know in a month when I'm there what it's going to be. Is it going to be faded away or is it going to be worse? I don't know. But if I'm stuck in a hospital, I don't want that bill. They pay the bill. All right. And what are some of the, I know it differs per policy, but what are some expected costs for an insurance policy for someone traveling? It's, they look at a couple of things. They look at the country that you're spending most of your time in, the length of time and how much you're spending. And then again, I'm going to break out world nomads because the world nomads policy is not for everybody. It's for uh, most trips, particularly probably for your demographics, because they're going to be under $10,000. And so they have certain limits that a traditional travel insurance policy does not. And I would encourage, I did an episode on it on the Adventure Travel Show. And I would encourage anybody that's interested in that to look at, listen to that podcast, write me, I'll, I'll send them the little cheat sheet that I made for it. Oh, and yeah. I can send you a link and you can put that in the show notes if you'd like. Absolutely. Because the, it, it does get complicated. And Phil Sylvester, the guy from World Nomads who I interviewed for that show, mm-hmm. really clarified a lot of things about travel insurance to okay. me that I didn't really understand. And plus, he's funny. He has some really funny stories <laughs> about some things that broke that you wouldn't believe that can break on <laughs> people's body parts. And I'll let people listen to find out what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm going to have to tune into that one. <laughs> yeah. To travel insurance, it, it was incredibly confusing for me. I've never booked travel insurance in my life, which I didn't realize how dumb that was until I got a little bit older. And, <clears throat> and so, you had a kid. And I got married. Really, yeah, that's really what it was. So I didn't care to book it as I traveled by myself. I just, I don't know. I just wasn't a thought for me. I'm a young guy. I'm just traveling around. Now that I have a kid, now I changed everything. Now I'm more responsible. And I am looking into travel insurance. So I started to look into it. And I was incredibly confused by which plan to go with, how much coverage I needed. Uh, it ended up working out for me because my Chase, I have a, the Chase Sapphire Preserve. So if anybody's listening and has that card, that card, if you purchase your travel with that card, it covers your car rental completely. It covers lost bags. It covers um, most of the things around your transportation and and your accommodations if you book through the with the card. Now, so then I was still stuck with finding travel insurance, travel medical insurance, which was really the, the big thing that I wanted to make sure I, I had. And that, I don't know if you could give information like on specific companies, but it I really, I ended up being pretty confused. By the end of it, again, I figured out that my health insurance through the employer covers that as well. So I ended up Well, there. not sometimes when you're out overseas. You got to really read your policy on that. Because I know yeah. mine does not. Yeah, mine does. Yeah, and, We, we okay. actually emailed them and they responded and said, yeah, you're covered. Um, and they listed out, they bulleted all the different ways that were covered while traveling. That, that's unusual. Wow, that's nice. That's unusual. I would like to give your listeners another reference too. Sure. Uh, and that is insuremytrip.com. And what you do is you plug in all the information, your age, where you're going, blah, blah, blah. And it'll give you a list of everybody and their quotes. And then you can compare the different policies in one fell swoop. So that's great if you're going to do uh, like a traditional trip and nothing overly exotic adventure-wise. You're not doing anything crazy. So and, is that like Expedia for travel insurance? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're getting a kickback from everybody that's doing the quotes with. So I, if I'm doing... Uh, like I said, it, there's nuances between the world nomads versus a regular trip. So I'd say half and half on world nomads, half and half. I, I picked somebody through insuremytrip.com. That's pretty awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Bob, so, you should check that out for Italy and see what your, yeah. what it would like be. Like I said, my, I think I paid $91 for my Portugal trip and I'm old. That's it for your entire yeah. policy? 
Yes, but I only I told them fifteen hundred bucks because remember I didn't read, yeah. really book a whole lot in advance. Wow. Okay. It, it should be under two percent of the cost of your booked trip. Okay, that's good to know as a rough estimate. Yeah. yeah I mean, so this is the email I received from my insurance. If you guys want to hear what they said, <laughs> yes, um, read it verbatim, Bob. I love insurance. <laughs> well, it says, it says they cover emergency <laughs> services at one hundred percent of the allowable charges with no deductibles after a copayment of two fifty. Yeah. So. And then it, your plan includes coverage for emergency services while traveling outside of the U.S. Most providers require payment at the time. So I need to pay when I get there, and then they cover it. Um, I guess they'll, they'll reimburse me. Okay. Now, yeah, I, I won't keep going. Please don't. All right. There's more. And, and also, they're probably not going to evacuate you if you go to a third world country. Well, so it says uh, they can arrange for the following. Assessments of urban, urgent or acute care facilities' ability to treat you. Transfer to another acute care facility if needed. Transfer back to the United States and transfer oh, home. Oh, that's, that's outstanding. Yeah, that's yeah. very unusual. Is that through Jefferson? That is through Jefferson. Yeah. Wow. That's really nice. That is nice. I, I've never heard of that from an employer. That's great. Yeah, good job, Jefferson. <laughs> Kit, if you're right, changing gears a little bit. Not a problem. You started to do this active travel about 10 years ago. And you talk about on your website that your husband passed away and you started to do this kind of travel. Um, how did that travel impact you and help you cope or come to terms with your husband's passing? I'm not sure that travel helped me come to terms with it so much as it gave the adventure travel gives you confidence and it empowers you. So I think that the travel helped me cope more than if that makes sense. It, it, it kind of, it builds your confidence and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I climbed Chittipo. That was a darn hard mountain and most people can't <laughs> climb. And I did that, you know, I'm badass. Yeah. And so I think that when you, when you push yourself beyond your comfort level to try something new and, and do something that's hard, you, learn coping mechanisms. And so, and all of a sudden, after being with the man for 30 years, all of a sudden I'm by myself running a business and you know, I'm just like all by myself. I got to start all over again. And I think that some of the skills I learned from at the time I was just backpacking, I hadn't done the adventure travel yet or outside of the country. I think that just helped me build my confidence. Yeah. We've talked to several people who have either lost loved ones or have gone through some kind of traumatic event and travel has been a great, great way as a distraction, as a confidence builder, as a way to connect with people and discover that they are strong and that they can get through it and that life continues. Definitely. I, I yep. think it's a powerful, powerful tool and a really cool resource. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Bobby, yeah. you, look, you look very contemplative right now. Yeah. Well, I... I want to, I want to ask, you know, where, which was the first country that you went to after, after the passing of your husband? Oh, I have to look, think about that. Um, I think it was Nicaragua and that, yeah, that, that may very well have been my very first, cause I had learned how to backpack. In fact, oddly enough, on my, I went on a two week backpacking trip on the Appalachian trail. And the day I got back from that, not with Bill, Bill was not an outdoor person at all. So I went with my two girlfriends. The day I got back is the day that he, he got diagnosed with throat cancer. And so okay. that's when, you know, here we thought our life, everything was going perfect. You know, we had the nice house, everything was going good. And then everything blew up in our face that day. And so then of course, during his sickness and all that, I didn't do a whole lot, but I had met somebody at a training school on how to, to through hike the Appalachian trail who I did my once a year 
email, Merry Christmas, how you doing, what you, what you doing? And he was always doing these really fun trips that I thought were for other people, not for people like me. And he said, I'm going to Nicaragua. Why don't you come? I was like, you know, I guess I can. So off I went. It was just me. The only other girl on there was the daughter of one of the guys. It was just a bunch of guys just going backpacking in Nicaragua. We had so much fun. I was like, I can't believe you can travel like this. And then we were just <laughs> tramping through the mountains and volcanoes. And it was just marvelous. That sounds awesome. It was awesome. That was a great trip. I'd put that up. That's in the top five. I have never been to Nicaragua. Yeah, it's no. not necessarily safe right now. It's a little bit, a little bit of civil unrest. It's Managua is not safe. Um, some of the cities are not. The countryside, from what I understand, is fine. If anybody wants to go there, I know a gal that can guide you. She was our guide. She was she, now she was badass. Okay, Marjorie. Yeah. Um, but keep an eye and, and watch the State Department. Okay. Um, updates on that just to be on the safe side. Yeah, we talked to uh, sort of an expat, Annalisa Morel, had stayed in San Juan del Sur for on the Pacific side for about six months. And I think she primarily traveled due to her father's, you know, work with hotels and they would just go all over the world. And she landed in Nicaragua for a long time. Yeah, it's a great country. Yeah, it seems like it. Maybe it's like not- Costa Rica was 20 years ago. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But maybe not for the initial traveler. No, no, I would traveler. not recommend that for the initial travel at all, period. No, yeah. Costa Rica for them. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. And that experience with you being there, did that, was there any sort of like mental breakthrough or, or sort of, I don't know, this revelation that this is what I want to do moving forward as far as travel goes? Because well, I, I knew I wanted to travel. I had always had the travel bug, even as a kid. I, I wanted to work in it, but I didn't even know at the time, this before the internet, that you could get jobs in business and in international business. And so all that, so it was always something I was going to do when I retired, not something I was going to do while I was actually actively working and all that. And then I found out on that trip, I was like, holy mackerel, that trip, I don't think it cost me $1,500 for like two weeks. I mean, it was super cheap. Yeah, it was like, really cheap. Adventure travel can be really cheap. I was like, I don't have to save and wait up till I'm retired and do this. I can do this now. And I do a lot of trips that are fancy. I do a lot of trips that are really cheap. And that Nicaragua trip is cheap. I mean, you're, I'm camping for free out in the volcanoes. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. The guys, right. they were thrilled. I don't know what we paid them. We paid Roger, who was our, but he kind of coordinated everything for us. And it was just an eye-opening experience that travel doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. No, I guess that I could be, that's definitely a game changer because if people assume that it's going to cost them, you know, a small fortune, they won't do it. But if they know that they can travel to a country for two weeks for 1500, including travel there, I think more people would do it. There's this odd, there's this common misconception, I think with at least Americans that travel is this incredibly expensive thing to do. And I have friends who think that, you know, they'll, they'll ask me about my trips and how much I spend. And when I tell them that it's a fraction of what they spent on a week in Disney World, they're sort of blown away by it. Um, most of the time, the most expensive thing you're going to deal with is the airfare. But if you're, if you're not set on a location or set on a time, you can really shop around and you could really be very frugal with how you spend that money and, and where you see, you know, where you go that year or for that, that particular trip. Mm-hmm. So this this idea that travel is incredibly expensive, I think, is behind us. Um, and, and once you kind of get into it and you start researching it, it, it becomes very obvious that you can do this in a very cost-effective way. Yeah. Right. And, and I would add on to that, too. And it's one of the tips I'm going to put in that uh, download I'm giving you guys 
is that sometimes look for the screaming deal first on the airfare. Like I said, that's usually the biggest nut. So if you find a, they'll call them error fares, when it's yeah. supposed to be $1,500 and somebody forgot to put a zero on it. And so you can nail a trip to, I don't know, um, Bolivia for 150 bucks. Grab the airfare. Figure out what you're going to do once you get there. Yeah. Grab that airfare first and then yeah. work everything else around that. So if you find the, the, the expensive thing first and then you build your trip around that. And you can stay in hostels. I stay in hostels now half the time. They're great. Yeah, Airbnb one of the resources too, are very cheap. Yeah. One of the resources that Bob and I have started to use is Scotch Cheap Flights. And we get those daily emails of either error, error fares or fares that are, you know, on the yearly low. And it's been great. I mean, we've seen some trips to like Iceland or Italy for like 350 round trip. Yeah. And um, we're going to use it. So my wife and I are going to use that, actually going to use Scott's Street Flight. So we, not that we are even ready to pick another destination. We haven't even gone to Italy yet, but we both like to just fantasize about the locations that we're going to eventually see. And we are already planning our baby moon. So it's Mm -hmm. like our little getaway before the baby's born while she's pregnant. And for a while, we both agreed that Cuba was the place to go. Like we just want to experience that culture and spend time in Havana. We're both, we both very, we really like that sort of Spanish, uh, Cuban, you know, culture. It's very interesting to us. But then I started playing around in Scott's cheap flights and we're on the computer together in bed. And, you know, I'm looking at some of these deals and it's like $250 to Amsterdam round trip. And it's, it's like, how do you, how do you say no to that? So now we're kind of in agreement where Cuba is still at the top of the list. And if it comes up, great, we'll go there. But if not, if we're playing around and we're ready to book and 250 round trip to some to, to Paris comes up or one of these countries, we're just going to do it. We're going for it. And, and we're going to save a ton of money that way. We're going to, I think the idea of just clicking book is very, it's like a very head rushy feeling. Like, let's just do it. Let's just wing it on some random <laughs> country. No, I think it's a great way to travel. And I, I totally am down with the way that you're doing that. Cause that's, that's how you can do it. And plus once you commit, now you're now you make it happen. You yeah. know, it's not a fantasy anymore. Now, all right, you booked that sucker. Now you got to figure out the rest of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the that's the vicious cycle I get into. Is like, oh, I could go here, or I could go here, or I could go here, or I could go here. Rather than just if you purchase one of the items, if you purchase a hotel that's at a great price, or if you purchase the flight that is at a great price, that forces you to do everything else. That, that just triggered a memory for me. You had asked me earlier about Bill, and I couldn't remember the first trip. Now I do remember. I'm a landlord. That's what I, I have a small development, a mobile home park. And so I had a tenant that was I had been really good to, and every year around Christmas, she couldn't pay the rent, and she'd pay me when the taxes came in in February. And so I got in this little you know, lull of complacency that in the fourth year, oh, February, I'm going to get paid. No, she doesn't pay me in Feb- February. She screws me trashes the house and leaves. And so I was pissed. And so I said, I'm going to reward myself. I'm sick of these people taking advantage of me, blah, 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 blah. And so I booked a six week trip to France in September and I just bought the ticket. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get away for six weeks, but I'm pissed and I'm going to figure it out. And sure enough, because I'd already spent that money, I made it happen. It was (laughs) awkward. It was hard to leave my job for six weeks and things blew up my face, but it was so worth it. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that was you my don't... first trip after Bill died. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you don't think about the stuff that you didn't do. You always remember the trip. Right. Yeah. Everything else is figured out and it just becomes a minute detail, but the trip right. You make lasts. it happen. You make it happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, it was I on the, the calendar. Pre- it was in ink. Yeah. 
It reminds me of a quote, um, no one ever remembers the night they got plenty of sleep. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it, true. But yeah, well, that's, that's a huge part of it, I think, throwing yourself into it and then forcing yourself to adapt. Not yeah. only for booking the trip, but then once you're, once you're there, throwing yeah. yourself into that new culture, you're going to learn impulse very quickly. And then the making yourself uncomfortable. Well, and that too, and that was my first time I ever went on a trip with no plan. I, I wanted to, I wanted, cause I like you guys, I want to do long-term travel. And I was like, well, if I have this fantasy and then I finally retire and I go do it, and I find I don't like it, then I've kind of blown it. So I should find out whether or not I like it to begin with. I might find after two weeks, I'm homesick and I want to go home. So that's why I chose the six week time frame. And so I, I booked three nice Airbnb in Lyon. And then outside of a couple seeing some friends, I just went to a town, stayed there as long as I was having fun and then asked people what's cool. And then I'd find out about something else. And then I'd head over there and, and just the cycle repeated. And that's how I went around the, the coastline of France. And it was a great trip. Was this the southern coastline? I, I went mainly in the south. Yes. Okay. Did you go up north at all to the northern coastline? Uh, no, I didn't. I ran out of time. Okay. There's this so. castle up there. Um, I think it's called like St. Michael's. Yeah, Saint, I think Saint yeah. Michelle? No, I didn't, I didn't get anywhere up that, uh, that way. Is that what it is? It, I want to see it so bad. It's yeah. this castle. It's fully walled in. It's out in like it. Is it, that it on the like, little island? The off- title. The title yeah. waters. I th- yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that on the pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, as far as I got was Toulouse, Bordeaux, uh, up in Toulouse. that area. Um, Cassis, highly recommend that little town. That was my favorite town there and, um, just gorgeous. What is it? It's called, uh, we, we would say Cassis, C-A-S-S-I-S. They called it Cassis. They don't pronounce that last S. Okay. It's just South of Marseille, like a 10 minute train ride. And it's like the perfect French little village. You're, you've got this beautiful Harbor on the sea. You've got these cliffs, one of which has a castle on it. You've got vineyards, you've got great restaurants. It's not a hoity toy boats they're all they're real people's boats they're fishing boats and their people's yeah. weekend boat and you know it wasn't like Antigua where it's all yachts which they weren't my people i'm never they're gonna i'm never gonna be their people and they weren't my people either it's very pretty but i much preferred Cassie. Hmm. i want to talk about how you transition into this this realm of doing the active travel business and the podcasts when did you come up with the idea to do this and how has it been going it's been going good. I think the Nicaragua, I knew I wanted to start a podcast before I knew, and I, I knew it was going to be something to do with travel, but I, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it and what would be different. And I think it was the Nicaragua trip that finally started, oh, that's kind of interesting. I never thought you could travel like that. And then the next trip after that, in fact, in Nicaragua, I meet this guy, Jamie. He was 39 years old, turning 40 in June. And so he invited everybody on the trip He's to go on a hiking birthday party. He's from Scotland. And said, everybody, come on, come to Scotland. We're going to have this great hiking birthday weekend. And I'm the only one that said, yes, I'll go. And I was like, well, I can't go to Scotland for the weekend. There must be something fun to do. And that's when I discovered the West Highland Way, which is a long distance trail of about 100 miles. It starts in Glasgow. That happens to be where Jamie lives and went all the way to the town where the birthday party was. I was like, kismet. All right, that's what I'm doing. So for two weeks, off I go and I walk up to the birthday party and it was a great trip. <laughs> like you say that so nonchalantly, I just walked to the birthday party. And it, was, miles. and it was so much fun. And I was like, oh, there are so many fun. This is so much more fun than any other trips I've ever done. I mean, so back to back, I was like, I don't care if I'm sweaty and dirty and stink. This is fun. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. been so long since I had fun. Yeah. Now, did you stay anywhere you could? When, uh, no, on that one, I actually paid a company to make all my arrangements for me. And on the West Highland Way, you've got to book that in advance because it's there's not many places to stay. 
And so they arranged all my lodging. They had somebody pick up my luggage every morning and move it to, so all I had to do is carry a day back. It was wow, great. that's it's, really nice. Yeah. Can I ask how much the cost was for that service? I'm going to say, I think if, uh, and this has been many years, so I'm going to guess it would be like a thousand dollars US. And then that was for like an eight day and I did an extra day, but then I had to pay a solo supplement, which I hate that, but that, in Europe, that's very typical. Mm. Um, so that ended up adding like at least another 50% to the trip. Oh, wow. But if you go with a roommate, then yeah. um, you can go pretty darn cheaply. And then yeah. you can also speed it up, even though I don't recommend it, like you can do it in five days. In fact, Simon, uh, another story. All right. So I meet Simon on the West Highland Way. He's British. And so he was backpacking it, which you can do most of the time. And so he's carrying all of his gear. He didn't know you could have somebody move the luggage for like five bucks. So anyway, so he, he does that. And so we become friends on the trail. And then the next year I'm walking the Cotswold way near his girlfriend's place. So he picks me up from the Heathrow, takes me to the trail. I actually spend the night at a girlfriend's house. And then I walk, I had lunch at his parents' house, which happened to be off the trail. And, you know, just each trip, you just meet cool people that just keeps like leapfrogging. And so it helps help me find the next trip. And so what now I make lifelong friends on these trips. It's so much fun. Would Simon's last name happen to be Hackney? No. <laughs> That's, that would have been very funny. We were, we're, that would have been very funny. We were talking with a guy named Simon Hackney who is British. Uh-huh. No, not Hackney. He does Hackney tours. Oh, is that not his last name? No. I forget what his last name is, though. Yeah, my Simon does floors. Simon oh, Cole. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not Simon Cowell, right? No, no. <laughs> I don't Close, he, though. I don't Close. think he let me go visit his parents for lunch. <laughs> but, no, Simon Cole, he does yeah. he does uh, tours in Hackney, as we yeah. just said. Yeah, that's kind of funny. And that's that's sort of how we feel about doing the <laughs> podcasting is we meet people that are you know staying in different locations around the world. And hopefully one day Bob and I can actually go visit them and do travel with them. Yeah, well, and that's with the guests I have on my show too. I become friends with them. Yeah, and so you know we're talking about doing a trip together. I think we're all going to go to Baja. A lot of us next Ooh. week, uh, not next year. So go see the Day of the Dead. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah it would cool. be. It's a, it was like one of my most fun. I was like, this is like the perfect girls' weekend. Uh, guys would like it too, but the other stuff that we're doing, just it was like a girls' week. I was like, oh, let's definitely do that. And Day of the Dead is typically in early October. Yeah, it's it's around. It's not like Halloween, but it's around the same time because it's it's like All Souls Day in that area. Yeah. It started okay. off as a Catholic thing that just kind of morphed a little bit. But okay. yeah, but it's uh, it's super cool. If anybody's interested in that, I, I did do a really cool episode and some great photos on the website. Ooh, What's man. your next trip? My next trip is the Portuguese, where I'm walking the oh, El Camino. Right. Yeah. So and then the, after that, it's Croatia, and then I don't really have anything else booked after that. Oh, <laughs> Croatia was awesome. I see. How'd you like it? I loved it. I, yeah, I, I can't I wait. It. I'm doing a bike boat tour, so I can bike Ooh. along and then or boat and all that kind of stuff. So that where are you fun. flying into? I, I actually, I think I might go to Montenegro first. I haven't, I haven't booked there. anything other than I, I did book the tour. And so that's about it. And I don't even know the itinerary. I just, I knew the person that was hosting it. And I said, oh, I want to go on that. I've always wanted to go to Croatia. So I just hit the buy button. Well, I, I did a ton of research prior to my, share, my trip going to Croatia. So if okay. you have any questions, let me know. I, I will. I, yeah, because I'm actually, I don't like to plan a lot. I'm not, some people love to plan trips. I'm not one. Yeah, I'm so a big planner. I, I don't yeah. know if I'm pointing at Bob, but I'm, you are on, my, on screen. my screen I am. Yeah. <laughs> Bob is a massive planner. Mm-hmm. If no, you have an opportunity, check out the itineraries that we have on our website. Okay. And you'll see, that's, that's what he uses 
for all of his trips. It's down to like the 15 minute interval. Yeah, oh, wow. sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit crazy with it, but I never <laughs> miss anything. No, I never miss anything that I would want to see. Um, yeah, and, and that is one of the downsides with my way. Because, you know, I was in Israel. I wanted to go to Masada or something like that. And as a solo traveler, the only day I could find a tour was on Monday morning. But when do I discover it? Monday afternoon. Right. Go see uh, it, you know? right. It, was, it would be too outrageous for me to hire a driver just to take me all the way there. So yeah. the planning has its benefits. It does. Well, that's, that's, I think, you know, the more I talk to different travelers, the more I realize that there's this other technique out there that seems to be quite enjoyable for those that do it, you know, just kind of winging it. So I think what I want to do now is separate my trips and have the ones that I plan that I want to stick to a schedule. And those are probably going to be the ones that I do with my wife and kid. And then I think that the, the more adventurous ones, the ones that we just kind of wing will be the ones that I do with, with Elliot here. Um, I'm and this game. way I'm game. I know this way I get the best, best of both worlds. And because I do want to experience these countries in a, in a kind of with a blank slate. Um, even though my, even my wife says to me all the time, I'm, I'm planning our Italy trip. And as I'm doing it, I, I drop the little Google earth guy right into the middle of like, you know, all the places we're going to see. And she's like, why are you looking at it right now? You're already seeing what you're oh, going to experience. Gonna but to me, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. Like looking at it on the computer screen, it's still, it still has a lot of impact on me when I, when I actually see it for the first time. I mean, I did it with Machu Picchu. I dropped that little guy on top of the overlook. And so I, I've seen millions of pictures of Machu Picchu. <laughs> and those pictures didn't even touch the actual experience. The reality. So right. No, not even close. So I, I don't think if I drop the little guy in front of the Tower of Pisa, it's going to impact or, or make my experience any less significant. But I do want to finally experience travel in this way that I keep hearing about over and over again, which is just kind of showing up and letting life take its course rather than sticking to a schedule at all. Yeah. And, th and there's probably a happy medium in there where you can go see the things that are key that you, you know, that you want to see. And I need to do that more of the thing. All right, I'm going to go so-and-so. I need to find out if something I want to see is closed on Mondays and that happens to be the day I'm there. I should find those things out. So I'm not right. disappointed, but then allow room for serendipity. Allow room for meeting somebody really cool that can say, oh, you know, have you seen such and such? And you didn't even know about it. And off you go. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the best day of my life. That was on my Germany trip. Um, the, the girls were going to go do some, go to the Christmas markets. And my sister like, oh, we don't want to do that. So we asked the lady at the bed breakfast, where do you go in the weekends? And do you like to go outside? She said, oh, I know this beautiful place. It wasn't in any guidebooks. We took a bus. I don't know how long. Got off. We walked. It was where... There must have been an Olympic sometime or another because there's some old Olympic equipment there. It was one of the prettiest walks of my life. And I never would have heard of it outside of just asking her, where do you like to go? Yeah. Hmm. Yep. And that's the beauty of it. It is. Well, yeah. Kit, as we wrap this up, we have greatly appreciated talking to you, all of your insights and all of your stories. And before we let you go, can you share some more of your uh, social media names uh, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and also your websites and your other podcasts. Sure, sure. So the the two websites for the podcast, of course, the podcast you can listen on any podcast app or directly from the website, one of which is activetraveladventures.com. And that is the destination, one of the multi-day adventure travel. And then the other site is the adventure travel show podcast.com. And that's where you learn the how-tos of adventure travel from how to backpack, what to pack, how to, how to pick a water purifier, all the different skills that you need in order to go on an adventure. I try to cover those in that show. So those are the two websites. Most places it's in 
personally, parks.kit for Instagram, kit underscore parks at Facebook. I also have a private Facebook group, Active Travel Adventures. I encourage people to come in there as well. And I'm active on Pinterest as well as Active Travel Adventures. I have also put together a free download for all of your listeners of the some of my top downloads on how to save money on travel, how to save money for travel, and solo travel, some tips on that, as well as how to get cheap flights and how to train. So I put together a whole little package for you, and anybody that is interested can go to a special link I've created for you, activetraveladventures.com slash blueprint, and that's free of charge. And after that, you'll also get all free downloads, whatever I do. I only do once a month emails, so I don't spam people. I just, I put together a download for every show. And so once a month, they get whatever I covered the month before. Awesome. That's really, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, guys. It's been great chatting with you. So that was pretty informative. And I really, I really have this appreciation for the type of travel Kit described today that we've heard multiple times, but for some reason I haven't made the leap to Let's just call it the dark side. I, I'm definitely living. I'm, I my type of travel is very conformed. It is scheduled. It is structured, and you know what you're getting. And I understand how that can be unappealing to some people. But to go into this type of travel where you just show up and you walk off the airplane and you wing it to me is still chaotic. And I know you like it. Obviously, it's very appealing to a majority of the people we talk to. But real travelers. I'm not right. I'm not quite ready to make that no, transition. No, you're not. No, you're not. It's okay. One day you will. One day one we'll day. do it. And one day you'll see. Well, that's the thing. It's going to be with you, right? It, you and I will end up traveling. How about this? Our next trip, we'll just spin the globe, put our finger down, and we'll book tickets. All right. Yeah. What if it's like Syria? What if it's like Harrisburg? I'd rather go to Syria. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't great. <laughs> that was a big knock on Harrisburg. Yeah, it was. All right. All right. The trivia question for Kit is, what town in France was her favorite when she was visiting there? If you know the answer, shoot us an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or shoot us a direct message on Instagram. As always, please give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify. We greatly appreciate your feedback and your ratings. And reach out to us if you have any questions or any suggestions on topics. Tune in next week. 